Black Doctors Podcast, Season 6. The funnier story is I had to take the oral boards uh, two days after the wedding. Oh, no. So I was, <laughs> yeah, because they moved it. Like, we planned our wedding around the boards. I wanted to be done with oral boards and then move and celebrate with the wedding. But because of COVID, everything kind of switched last minute. So they moved it to literally the weekend of our wedding. And you have three possible days. Hello and welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. I am Steven, your host. In this week's episode, we hear from doctors Tamara, John, and Kojo Marfo. They are orthopedic surgeons. They are married. They are practicing in South Florida. We're going to hear their incredible story after a word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Picmonic. In 2011, two medical students came up with the ingenious idea to combine medical education with unforgettable characters and ridiculously memorable stories. Featuring over 35,000 high-yield facts and graphics, Picmonic has helped over 600,000 students improve exam scores and perform better clinically. Picmonic has resources for pre-med and medical students, as well as other healthcare professions. Check out the show notes for a link to their website. Mention the podcast when you subscribe. With Picmonic, you can study less, but remember more. Hello, welcome back to Black Doctors Podcast. I'm Steven, your host. We have some very special, very unique guests joining us today. We have with us Dr. Tammy John and Dr. Kojo Marco. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Now, I, I can't keep track of all the percentages. What percentage of orthopedic surgeons identify as black? I think one of the recent numbers was like less than 1.5%. It's a pretty low number, uh, unfortunately, but uh, it's somewhere around that, that uh, percentage. And then for women, you know, female African-Americans are black. It's even less. It's probably what, less than 1%? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so it's, we are lacking in representation um, in orthopedics, which we're both passionate about improving too. Well, the couple that joins us today are really uh, impacting, I don't know what percentage of Black and women orthopedic surgeons we're talking, I am literally talking to right now, but (laughs) both of these incredible individuals are specialized in orthopedic surgery. Dr. John is an orthopedic hand surgeon, and Dr. Marfo is an adult reconstruction, adult joint reconstruction surgeon, so hips and knees. Um, fun fact, Kojo was uh, a couple years ahead of me back at good old Howard University College of Medicine. So I'm so excited to catch up with Kojo and Tammy and talk about their incredible pathway to orthopedic surgery and how uh, they're currently practicing. Yes. This is going to be fun to talk about because, as I was saying earlier, we don't really reflect on this enough. Um, And I think hopefully it can, you know, inspire other people to kind of consider orthopedics because I still don't regret that decision at all. I really love what we do. So Fantastic. That's good to hear. So, Tammy, how did you become interested in orthopedic surgery and what was your pathway into this specialty? Okay, so I grew up playing competitive tennis. So, you know, played national tournaments since I was probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years old, but played before that nationals 10 years old and beyond. It in college, my first year in college at Cornell, I was invited to the US Open to give a speech about the importance of mixing tennis with with your academics or how tennis has helped me grow in academics. 
So it was pretty cool. Like I, I'll never forget that Serena was there. Like all of the people that I looked up to were in that room. And at that same presentation, I met the like an orthopedic surgeon who worked with the ATP tour. So the guy's side. Um, and he's the first person who introduced me to orthopedics. I didn't even know what it was, honestly. But he just told me, you know, it's a great field. He played sports before. He loved his life. He felt like it was challenging, but rewarding. And he worked with mainly athletes. I think he was a sports surgeon. Um, that's when I first said, that's what I'm going to be. And I didn't even know what that took, but I was like, yeah, I want to do that. Um, <laughs> and then basically further along, you realize a lot of people get interested in ortho because they're athletes, but you realize there's so many other specialties within orthopedics. Sports is only one out of like 10. So I actually ended up hating sports in residency, ended up loving hand um, and other specialties, but I kind of was interested in ortho actually for a different reason that got me initially excited about it. So um, long story short, it kind of was, I fell into it because of that experience and ended up loving it despite that, like not because of that experience. (laughs) And along the way, you know, different mentors, I was lucky to meet kind of guided me into this decision. Yeah. And where'd you go to medical school? So I was at University of Rochester in New York. You know, I, I really, I met the first orthopedic surgeon female that I had ever heard of um, there. And she kind of took me under her wing. Baumhauer is her last name, Dr. Baumhauer. She was a foot and ankle doctor um, and had me shadow her in the OR And, you know, she basically, you know, she had kids, she could live her life. And I could see myself doing what I love, but also having a life and family. That's fantastic. And so as you were going through medical school, you had the shadowing, the way rotations, but what do you think really stuck out to help you match into orthopedic surgery? Um, So it's tough, because I think the important thing really, even to this day, I think it's a little different because of the setup with step one now. But the step one score was important. We, I had to make sure that I got something around the range that would get keep me competitive in the field. And then again, I think it's really mentors, honestly, at Rochester. There was a black female who was an orthopedic surgeon at Rochester, new. She came in as I was applying and she was an onco- ortho-oncologist. Again, amazing person, ran all these marathons, had an amazing life and loved what she did and was excited to get me into it too. So I think having supportive mentors who could vouch for me, and also the third year um, rotation grades, and just how you are in general, a lot of people get mistaken that they're like, oh, you only need to do well in surgery, and that other stuff doesn't matter. But they really look for people who who are good people and try their best regardless. You're not just a surgeon, you're caring for patients, you should try hard in medicine, you should try hard in peds, um, and those qualities that can show in any rotation. I think those are the things that kind of pulled me through. And the away rotations. I rotated at Yale where I ended up going. Gotcha, gotcha. So Kojo, as long as I've known you, I think you were planning on going to orthopedic surgery. But if you can like go back in time and talk about how you found your way into the specialty. Okay. Um, yes, I I think at the time when I came into Howard for med school, I didn't really know what orthopedics uh, was, but 
like Tammy said, and a whole lot of other orthopedic uh, surgeons, we did have the sports background. I played a lot of basketball growing up. But um, during the uh, first year of med school, I um, took part in this summer internship program called Mf Dimensions. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. that was a program geared towards um, um, getting uh, minorities, uh, medical students into the field of orthopedics. At the time, it was initially just orthopedics, but since then, it's expanded to other specialties. Um, but I applied and I uh, I matched into the program, and I was based in uh, Philadelphia at uh, Einstein Hospital, which was close to home for me. And my mentor at the time was uh, Dr. John Williams, who was uh, also an adult reconstruction hip and knee surgeon. He's since relocated to uh, the Orlando area now, but he's a mentor that I've been keeping in contact with uh, ever since 2010 when I first met him. Hmm. And um, pretty much once I met him, he was a down-to-earth type of – we had a lot of similar uh, characteristics. He was an athlete going through school, a fairly personable person. Um, So I just kept in contact the longer each step of the way. I said, oh, I I took my step one. There's my score. So I protected him with him. He said, yeah, it's a good score. Just keep keep in touch. I got you for recommendation letter, this and this and that. And um, eventually matched at Howard and still kept in contact with him throughout the time. And then when it, when it was time to apply for a fellowship, again, he was the first orthopedic surgeon I'd ever seen. And I was in an OR with him for six weeks and always like reading up on the anatomy, um, getting prepared for cases so that he would ask me tough questions. I'd be I would know the answer. But his questions never had anything, never had anything to do with orthopedics. They're always music questions. And I got them all huh. literally got them all. <laughs> Literally got well, the who was he asking you? Like, uh, who's singing this song or who played this song? Like, I have no idea. And it wasn't like any like modern hip hop or R&B. It was like old school jazz and stuff like that. So I got them all wrong. But <laughs> long story short, <laughs> like he's a down to earth person. I saw a lot of similar uh, traits in him. And the world is so tiny and like full circle when it was good in time to apply for a fellowship. I did uh, my first interview at a place called uh, Joint Implant Surgeons. And the program director there was uh, a guy by the name of Adolf Lombardi. And um, D- John Williams, who was my mentor in the Empty Dimensions program, his dad was also an orthopedic surgeon. who He was actually the first black board certified orthopedic surgeon in Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he's, uh, I believe they were both uh, Howard uh, alumni as well. And so when the uh, John Williams Sr. was uh, attending, he actually taught my fellowship director, uh, Adolf Lombardi. And I guess I didn't know it initially, but retracing the steps, I was like, oh, I didn't know you went. Oh, so uh, John Williams Jr. ended up doing a hip and knee replacement fellowship under Adolf Lombardi. And then as I was going through the, uh, the rest of my fellowship rotations, I was talking to some of my alumni mentors, and I was like, yeah, I really like this first place. And they're like, did you know John Williams went there? I was like, no, I had no idea. Huh. <laughs> so I told, I told him, like, yeah, the fellowship that you went to, I didn't know you went there, but it's like my number one place. And then he's like, do you want me to give Adolf a call? I was like, absolutely. Long story short, I ended up matching there. So that was an wow. amazing story come full circle. But definitely enjoyed my experience both at Howard for residency and fellowship and I feel like both experiences shaped the surgeon I am today. Yeah, I think both of your stories talk about the importance of mentorship and allies and um, having people in your life that can reach back and pull you forward. Yeah, that's amazing. I've heard that story, the Adolf Lombardi story a lot and I like every time I hear it I'm like that is crazy. 
it's like the first time I'm hearing it. It's pretty we, cool. And we have to shout out. So that program, because that's one of the biggest, you know, the one I don't know much about orthopedic surgery, except that all are too loud. Um, banging <laughs> stuff around in the OR. But uh, I always point students towards nth dimensions. So would you mention this program and kind of spell out, you know, maybe when they should apply or, or what they should learn more about if they're interested in uh, orthopedic surgery? So um, again, it's a program that uh, is done during the summer between your first and second year of med school. Um, and it has since expanded since I did it. So when I did it, uh, it was just for orthopedics. But now I believe they've expanded to other fields like uh, dermatology, radiology, yeah. and some of the other competitive specialties. Essentially, you go through an interview process. Um, they check your, I guess, first year grades to make sure you're competitive. And they usually have a pretty high match rate uh, want to say around 90%, if not higher, for students that complete the program. And at the end of the summer, I think usually at the end of May, there's a poster presentation on like the research you've done for the um, the summer. And it's definitely a great program to have. And it's a good uh, talking point for interviews that you can show that you've been interested in orthopedics or dermatology or ophthalmology from early on. Fantastic. And I think it was a Dr. Bonnie Simpson Mason that started yeah, it. she was the uh, one of the, the founders but she's i think uh s- stepped down to take a acgme role and now letitia bradford uh is the orthopedic surgeon who's kind of running the running the program now gotcha gotcha we'll definitely put a link in the show notes but nthdimensions.org is their website so you can go and check that out if you're interested in any of these specialties um and get the head start if you are if that applies to you dr john at what point did you start looking into orthopedic hand uh, surgery or that specialization? Yeah, so I it was an interesting no, honestly. I mean, I went through residency kind of keeping an open mind. And again, we keep mentioning, um, you know, mentors. So I think, honestly, I had amazing hand mentors. People who took me under their wing from the beginning. And I kind of, you know, would... If I had extra be scrubbing in hand cases, I tried a lot of anatomy to learn and I just didn't, I don't feel like I really learned it that well until fellowship, honestly. But again, for me, I think about a bunch of things. Like what are my goals and what are my priorities? Is it, is it, you know, the salary? Is it lifestyle? Is it, you know, a bunch of things go into play. And for me, lifestyle is pretty high. So I looked at all of the options and figured, you know, it's kind of nice sitting down operating. I don't mind that. (laughs) Um, And uh, using mini C-arm. The people that were in my life who did hand just seemed to have, you know, they could have the life where they go on date nights with their spouse or they're taking their kids to their practices and, you know, things like that. And I like the anatomy. So for me, it kind of all came together almost right before fellowship interview or fellowship um, applications were due. So I kind of decided late, but yeah, I made that decision and stuck with it. And I'm glad, glad I did. But it's not like I was good at hand. I didn't, I wasn't like, oh my God, this is the one thing I can, you know, I meant to do this. No, it was more of like process of elimination. I'm not doing joints because I'm not 
banging in joints all day, like breaking my back, not doing trauma because <laughs> I like my life. You know what I mean? Like it kind of went like that. And then hand was one of the last and I ended up loving it, you know, luckily during fellowship. So can I you. Um, wh- where did you two first meet? <laughs> um, so what we kind of tell everyone was at the uh, Howard Orthopedic uh, Residency towards the end of, sorry, sorry, interview towards the end of uh, third year. Yeah, it was our, it was my last interview. So like February-ish of 2013, 13, 13, 13, yeah, 2013. But I think we have met along the interview trail prior to that, but it was probably our first formal time, like saying, hey, I'm Kojo, hey, I'm Tammy, I'm from uh, uh, University of Rochester, I'm at Howard, um, but we weren't like interested in each other at the time, we are kind of competing for a residency position. <laughs> oh, yeah. He says that. Um, <laughs> she, she already had the position, she wasn't competing with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I, I guess being from Howard, I try to keep connected to a lot of my other uh, black uh, med students applying to ortho. So we had like the email thread or so going along, along the, uh, the interview cycle, just keeping in contact, sharing any study materials and things of that nature. She eventually um, matched at Yale and I matched at Howard. Went about our lives for um, five years, maybe occasionally <laughs> exchanging emails or saying hi during conferences. I think we both were dating people uh, over the five years, but we uh, reconnected at the end of five years at the part one board review course and just kind of hit it off from there. Um, kept in contact. Uh, she was going to do fellowship in uh, at UPenn uh, in Philadelphia, which is close to home for me. And um, I was going to do my fellowship in uh, Ohio, which is nowhere near home. But um, we kind of kept in contact. So I'd come home on a lot of the weekends or like holidays. And uh, then I think at first uh, she was playing hard to get. And then (laughs) I guess one of her feelings changed and I was playing hard to get, but it wasn't until we both uh, started practice, her in Atlanta, me in South Florida, that we actually officially started dating. And then I think I proposed a year later. Yep. It was crazy. Like we literally started our jobs. And then we're both like, oh, maybe we are like dumb for not. Like, I don't know why we didn't. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're in two different cities. We could have easily started our lives separately, but then we decided to Let's take a break to hear so from our sponsor, Truler. Hey there. I hope you're enjoying listening to the show. I want to take a minute to talk about TrueLearn and thank them for sponsoring the Black Doctors podcast. TrueLearn is a medical exam preparation company that helps you outperform on your boards. If you are a medical student or resident physician, you should definitely check out their products. If you sign up, please use the code BDPODCAST and you'll get a discount. They have resources for both DO students as well as MD students and even physician assistants. When it comes to residency licensure, they offer question banks for over eight different specialties. TrueLearn gives analytics that give you insight into your study habits, your question responses, and tracks you along with your peers. Students and residents average 20% improvements after completing a TrueLearn SmartBank. 
Check them out at truelearn.com. And again, remember to use the code BDPODCAST to receive your special discount. Now back to the show. started our lives separately but then we decided to date so then i did two years at kaiser now long distance and then after he proposed we decided i was going to move to fort lauderdale and you know we would be in practice together which is great um it's sort of it's kind of cool though because we're not really in clinic the same days we don't really see each other at work so much but like you know, we, it's kind of cool having your significant other in the same realm because he understands, you know, he gets a lot of things I don't have to explain, but yeah, that's another, a whole different conversation because I went from an employed position for two years to basically being my own boss, which is awesome. I wouldn't go back ever. I literally, I could do a whole nother talk about that because I, didn't believe in it at first. And Kojo took like, it took a year or two for me to get excited about it and never go back. Huh. Ever. So, <laughs> wow. I mean, and this story, God, like won't have this story too many times. Have you been in practice together longer or have you been married longer? Hmm. Same because yeah, it was probably about the same because I didn't move to Fort Lauderdale until like two weeks before our wedding. Oh, wow. And then the funnier story is I had to take the oral boards uh, two days after the wedding. Oh, no. So I was, yeah, because they moved it. Like we planned our wedding around the boards. I wanted to be done with oral boards and then move and celebrate with the wedding. But because of COVID, everything kind of switched last minute. So they moved it to literally the weekend of our wedding. And you have three possible days that you could have to go to Chicago. So luckily they gave me two days after our wedding, which was the latest possible day I could have taken it. But yeah, moved two weeks before the wedding, had our wedding, and then the oral boards. Wow. Mm-hmm. And starting practice. Yeah, it was um, it was a lot, but we got through it. Somehow he like helped me through because you know I was... Mm-mm. My head was going spinning over. <laughs> planning, oh my god, planning a wedding and Listen, that is oh, it was a lot. It was a lot, but yeah, it was. I, honestly, I would do it over again if I could. Um, it was a really good decision for me because I think everyone kind of has to. The first couple of years of practice, I feel like you're kind of figuring out what you want and who you are as a practitioner, like whatever you're doing you kind of have to figure out, okay, yeah, I kind of like this. I kind of don't like this. And it just so happened that I don't think employment is the best option for me um, because there's so much you can do in on your own. Like you, you know, you're taking on a lot, but it's kind of cool. Like you're seeing people come into your office just to see you, like how they see you, how they even find you. You know, some rent, some person in the community recommended you and you don't know that person. So it's like you're rebuilding your reputation and starting to build your brand on your own and you have control over some of it. So I kind of like that part. Yeah. Yeah. So what is it like to build a practice with your spouse? Hmm. Um, I I guess I can try and tackle that. So um, I think it's... uh, makes it easier that we're in different specialties because I 
hate the stuff that she does and she <laughs> the stuff that I do. Literally. Um, so like say I'm on call or I'm taking care of a patient for like a hip or some type of fracture and I'm just talking to them. I see like a, a brace on their finger or something like that. And she, I'm like, oh, what's going on with your finger? I'm like, oh, I have trigger finger. I know, I know that just the person you can see for that after I take care huh. of it. Yeah, it's, it happens so much. I mean, like literally I see patients who have hip and knee. They're like, hey, I love you for the hand, but you don't do hip, do you? I'm like, no, but I have someone for you. So we do a lot of internal referrals and it's great because we talk about this all the time. Like if we're, if you're building a practice, you want people like your the people you're working with have to be a reflection of you. And that's the one thing I can say is working with Kojo, like his patients are obsessed with him. They love him. And Kojo? Yeah, somehow. Crazy, I don't right? know. But they like <laughs> they all love him and he does a good job. I've seen his work. Like he's just really good. Right. And so not only is he my husband, so that's I do have a bias, but he's a very, very good surgeon, good clinician, people, he cares for his patients. So for me, it's so easy. And it's kind of nice, because that actually makes me look good, too. So and like right now, he just got a he's on call again, by the way, but he just got a consult for a hip fracture in a 99 year old, right in a rent in a hospital out in wherever. And the the PA called him literally an hour before our, our talk, and was like, Dr. Marfo, yeah, I have this 99-year-old who needs her hip fixed. And funny story, the lady came in and said that your wife, Dr. John, did her surgery. And she's like the best, you know, she was raving and so happy that her husband is taking care of her mother. So, I mean, it's a small world. So that's the coolest part, I think, is, you know, when we, we put our all into what we do. And we try our best. We're very hard on ourselves, but I think we're both good at what we do and love to help people. So it's kind of nice to share that together. And it's funny, like I forget we're like sometimes you know you're in the zone. You go into the OR, you're doing work, <laughs> and then like the nurse will be like, "Oh my god!" I'll hear people whispering like, "That's Doctor Marfo's wife." I'm like, "What are they talking? Like, who's Doctor? Oh, I'm Doctor Marfo's wife." Like, people actually know that think about it like I don't talk about it on a daily basis you know I go in to do my work but like all of them anesthesia will talk about like everybody's like oh my god that's his wife and I get it for us it's like whatever because we we've only known each other as you know Kojo and Tammy so when we're working and you don't usually work with your spouse right like you're not operating with your spouse so when you go and you're in the zone and then you know, for them, it's kind of cool, especially like the older black ladies or like, you know, they're like, oh, my God, this is so cool, you know. And so I get it. It's it's very humbling at times because it is kind of cool if you think about it. We just don't think about it that often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you guys are practicing in Florida. Um, if you wouldn't mind, I mean, I'm sure people would. Well, we have listeners from all over, uh, but. Would you let them know what services you offer and where they could possibly uh, uh, get their hip and finger fixed? Yeah, definitely. So we actually are in a group with each other. And then there's a spine surgeon, Dr. Cameron, um, who also was, he went to Howard too, oh, way no ahead of Kojo. He's about 
12 years ahead of me from Howard Ortho. Yeah, he's he's had his own thing. He's been on his own for a while. But anyway, so he does fine. The location of the practice, it's actually near um, a hospital called Woodmont Hospital in Tamarack, Florida. Um, and the location is 7710 Northwest 71st Court, Suite 205. We are open about that. It's on the internet. You know, anyone can find us. We love to see patients. Our staff is amazing too. That's the one thing I brag about. They're super sweet. They get patients in. They have direct contact with us. So yeah, we're pretty blessed right now to be in this position. For me, it's kind of a learning experience every day because I'm rebuilding from the ground up, Hmm. but I see a lot of potential. I'm growing pretty rapidly and you know, and one thing people who are listening who are kind of considering, because there are a lot of people who are like, okay, I'm employed and I like the, you know, the benefits and the having a paycheck every two weeks and knowing exactly what it's going to be. But I kind of want to do my own thing. Maybe I want to do private practice. One thing when you switch from employment, first year or two, you're taking a pay cut. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You're going to, you're not going to make as much um, the first year or two. But long term, you definitely can and probably will surpass what you were making before because there's just so much opportunity. You can do so much. You can do, you know, expert witness work. You can make that a side business. You can do focus on real estate. There's so much else you can do. Surgery center buy-ins, like a lot you can't do as an employed physician. That takes a little time to build. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you said, I think you said Kojo does a lot of the uh, ground and leg work with the, was it finances and marketing and all that? Yeah, I'm terrib- I cannot. <laughs> I, I think we all should have learned more about finances and how to set up a, pr- you know, the stuff that I'm worrying about now, I never thought of, you know, like hmm. setting up your own 401k as an employer. How do you even do that? Like, what about tax, you know? understanding taxes and how to, you know, gain the most out of your, your position and how are you saving? How much are you, you know, it's a lot of stuff that I don't, I'm terrible at. So I kind of need other people to help, help me through that because it's important. He is more savvy with that stuff and kind of gets it intuitively. So it takes a lot of explaining the same thing 10 times to me. I still don't get it. So (laughs) we'll get there. We'll get there. You guys are are well on your way. I love uh, the stories that you shared. The biggest thing uh, in the beginning, mentorship, the power of mentorship, Mm -hmm. the power of seeing people that look like you and people that are going to help you along in your journey. Mm -hmm. The other thing that kind of comes out is is timing because we get so caught up on I have this plan and I have to go to medical school right now. And and along the way, you can see the random timing of you met at an interview and mm-hmm. then you went your separate ways and you stayed right. in touch and right. you got married right before your, your board. So like looking back, like what are your thoughts on like the way your life has unfolded? Yeah, I think, yeah, he's right. It's, it's hard to plan it. You just got to kind of take it as it comes. And like sort of, you have loose plans but life will bring you in different directions. If you asked me five years ago, if I would have my own thing right now, like my own LLC, seeing my own, no, there's no way I would have thought that. And I actually would have disagreed with that person saying that that's a good idea. <laughs> so It's almost kind of like a surgery. You might go in there with a plan, but 
things can change. So you have to be able to improvise if they're going to fly. Yep. So I think a thousand percent have your goals, have plans, but things that you might consider setbacks might actually be pushing you further forward. Hmm. Or things that might, you know, someone could say, oh my God, that sucks that you guys just started dating right when you started your jobs. But a, a bunch of positives came from that. And I don't actually feel like the long distance was that hard, honestly, because I was so, we were both so busy. We saw each other maybe twice a month. Maybe we tried every two weekends a month. Yeah. One weekend I'd come there to Atlanta. And, and then I would come. come to and it's kind of fun because you have something to look forward to, but you yeah. can focus on your practice and talk to each other, obviously every night. But like, for me, that was good because I had, un- I had, you know, devoted time to my practice and building it and understanding it. And then the fact that I moved to Fort Lauderdale, like I never would have done, I never would do my own thing ahead of time. There's no way I would have done that it, unless <laughs> I was, you know, kind of quote unquote forced into to the situation. And now when you ask me, I would never go back to employment. So this is a blessing in disguise that I'm here. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I, uh, as we start to wrap up, I do want to highlight, you know, people are, you know, stuck between I uh, stay in academics and increase this 2% of black orthopedic surgeons, or do I go to academics? And it's almost that if people look at private practice as, as less than like, you're not really contributing, but it's so important that you could still contribute. Our, our last time I saw you, or the first time I met you, Tammy, mm-hmm. was at the Student National Medical Association Conference in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And it was so incredible that the two of you had like worked the day before and were like post-call, mm-hmm. but drove all the way to the conference to put on a workshop and mm-hmm. sit on the panel. So um, yeah. I love that. No, I love that you brought that up, honestly, because that was one of my fears too. But guess what? So today I just spoke with a future possible ortho resident, black female that I met at that same conference that you were mentioning. Um, I've been talking to her throughout, you know, along her journey and she's almost ready to apply and we're making sure she's on track. I still, I talk to students just as much or more than when I was employed or, you know, associated with Emory and even presenting at the ASSH hand meeting, you know, I'm still doing everything that I was before. Actually, I have more time to. <laughs> so it's, and I could publish if I wanted to. I decided I'm not doing that again. But um, <laughs> if I wanted to, I have unlimited time to do that. Yeah. For me, the whole switch has been, you know, I love giving back to our community. I love investing in more of us having these opportunities, you know, but then I get to also shift to making sure the other things that I do are, are a business decision, right? I'm not doing anything just for free anymore. Besides mentorship and all the things that I want to do, I'm not doing that anymore. So things that I want to do, I'm able to, to spend more time on. And that's, to me, the beauty of this whole thing. Love it. Yeah. So that's my, my last couple words towards everyone. <laughs> is kind of decide what you want and what's important to you and then go for it full force Scott is the limit literally <laughs> love to hear it mm-hmm. um, well Dr. John Dr. Marfo thank you so much for coming on the show mm-hmm. sharing your your unique practice model I think hopefully we'll be able to get you back on 
and talk more just about the business side of running a practice. Uh, would would love to to pick your brain. Definitely. Awesome. No, this has been wonderful. Thank you for having us. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks for having us for sure. I'm glad we were able to share a little bit of our, our life and insight. Awesome. We'll have to do it again soon. Thank you for listening to the Black Daughters podcast because representation matters. This week on Sign Out, I want to, again, provide some helpful information and tips, especially for those medical students applying to residency this season, those that are entering match 2023. This is from Twitter, Dr. Omotola Ajibade. It's at Doctor of Minds. He had a fantastic tutorial. Talking about mock interviews, he gives uh, several tips for students that are in that process. First, he recommends watching your camera placement. He said it's important for two reasons. First, in most in-person conversations, you're looking directly at the person you're speaking to. So if you want that person to see you, speak to the camera and to your computer screen. Second is uh, basic optics. Whatever is closest to the camera is going to appear larger. He says, uh, never assume that the person interviewing you has read your application. Chances are someone else has read your application or CV and has recommended you for interview. Um, definitely always have an elevator pitch type uh, of, of answers ready to go. They're probably going to ask that tell me about yourself question. So, you know, have that one thought out and well-practiced. If there are red flags in your application, be prepared to answer uh, for those red flags. Don't go out of your way to overemphasize those red flags. He says, for the common interview questions, definitely check out Dr. Google. Google is your friend. Practice your answers so that you sound confident, but not that you sound like you're reading a script. Remember that certain questions such as marital status and family background are illegal for them to ask. But if you bring it up on your own, you should assume it is fair game for discussion. Overall, he closes out by saying your interview is as much for you as it is for them. Your goal should be to learn what it might be like to live and work in that system or community. Their goal is to figure out if you'll thrive in their environment and how to help you do that. So again, thank you, Dr. Ajibade. He is on Twitter at Doctor of Minds. So give him a like and follow. He's got some uh, great information, psychiatry resident and photographer. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Black Doctors podcast. We're here because representation matters.